And if after we're done, you realize there's something you said that you wish you hadn't, let us know, and we'll make sure that it's right at the beginning of the show. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end. (laughs) All right. So, oh, did we lose someone? Yeah, we just lost Kevin just now. I just heard him. Wait, sorry. um, You guys just went silent for about uh, 35 Wow. I think there'd be a butt. Oh, there we go. Red. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. We are a twice-weekly podcast celebrating the radio show slash podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me this evening in our Hyundai of Everett Studios is the best-looking 10 north of the Savage Moose, Christy Wise. Hello, Christy. Hello, Bobby. That was a great introduction. As well, I'm trying my best tonight. <laughs> As regular fans of the show know, on Mondays, we recap the week that was in the world of TBTL. But this is a Saturday d- edition of the show when we take a step back, let our hair down, and talk to a special guest about his or her experience as a TBTL 10. This week, we're glad to welcome Kevin Farewell. Hello, Kevin. Hi. I'll be uh, standing in for uh, Mike as the misogynist this week. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. That's a lot of water to carry. I know. Women can't be scientists. <laughs> As you can tell, if you're familiar with the show, I am not Mike Frizzell. Mike is busy this week. At least that's what he'd like you to think is that he wasn't available. But in all honesty, uh, Kevin Farewell, in addition to being a fan of TBTL, was a fan of the late, great Takedown podcast and I believe there's a lingering restraining order from those days. So Mike is sitting this one out (laughs) to take it here for the team so the rest of us can go on and talk to Kevin this evening. So thank you, Mike. We miss you. And um, please stay at least 300 yards away from this podcast. Uh, In his stead, we'll talk about some things we must discuss. Actually, I think that was the thing we must discuss is that I'm not Mike and none of us are Mike, but Mike will be back with us soon. Kevin, our guest, will talk a little bit about Kevin the man and then Kevin the fan, and then we'll play a clip that he has chosen for us tonight. At the end of the show, we'll talk about how you can be the next Kevin Farewell, and we'll do a little housekeeping. Uh, But I don't want to wait any longer. Let's jump right into it. Kevin, I'm going to hand off to Christy. She's going to run you through your paces. So, Christy, go to it. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. You should feel honored because I got to pick the guest for the first time and I picked you. Uh-oh. That makes me <laughs> nervous. <laughs> I decided Mike stacked up the guests with his ladies, so I'm going to make it a sausage fest from now on. God, didn't he? Didn't he? It was one after another. Un- unrelenting women between 40 and 50 into their cups. Right. And, the, and it was so... Enough about TBTL. How much do you love me, Mike Frizzell? <laughs> wow, he takes one week off and you're all over. <laughs> hey, in case anyone out there wants to know how to get on a little red bandwagon, um, and you're a dude, um, dick pics. Yep. Send them straight to me. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's, excuse me, that's at Kissy Eyes on yep. Twitter and <laughs> Christy Wise on Facebook. Please don't send those to the Little Red Bandwagon account. I don't want to see those come across my transom. <laughs> oh, that's I'll just... how it gets people, right? 
All right. So to start off, how did you discover TBTL? Um, I might be um, the first guest you've had on. I, I'm not entirely certain that, uh, of this, but I think I'm the first guest that listened to the very first segment of TBTL. I was in a um, car one evening and it was, uh, I was looking for Hawk Talk. So 7.10 a.m. used to have uh, Hawk Talk, Seahawk Talk on before, um, uh, after 7. And um, uh, I think it, gosh, it might have been New York Vinny or somebody. And so I turned it on and um, I think they played that clip three or four times because they like to embarrass themselves. But um, uh, Luke came out of the gate just explaining in a very low voice and um, <laughs> not very radio at all. Right. <laughs> right. He had had a couple shots and, and I think like he was kind of doing a little NPR and he was explaining what the show wasn't going to be. He was explaining what wasn't going to, they weren't going to take calls, what wasn't going to be on. And I got through about three or four minutes and I was like, eh, well, good luck with that. <laughs> so I turned it off. Didn't, didn't listen again, but, but uh, well, I obviously later. But um, the, the the interesting thing about that first show, even just the first five or six minutes, you know, whatever I listened to, is it really put a bug in my head. And you know, somewhere back in the recesses of my my mind, I I uh, was thinking about the things that he was saying. Like he was playing music that you don't hear on the radio. He was he was talking about things that that you don't hear on certainly on AM radio, even even really on 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 any sort of terrestrial radio. And, um, and so a few weeks later, I, uh, you know, dialed back in and, and gave him a listen and, and, um, kind of got hooked. And what can I tell oh, you how much I love the alternate universe wherein you listened to that first segment, never listened again, somehow found out about our show and the clip you brought us was the only segment you had ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you know, I, um, in an alternate universe, I would have considered how funny that would have been and would have just told you that story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when we have Fevin Carewell on in a few weeks, you'll know exactly what he's bringing to the table. (laughs) uh, It's funny. uh, You know, when I I told my wife who, who I think um, Christy and and Jeremy have met, um, I don't think you have, have, have Robert. But uh, I told her yesterday I was going to be on the show, and, and, and she just completely rolled her eyes. She, I think she thinks the whole TBTL podcast community is a little wackadoo. But um, I, I, frankly, I think a lot of the TBTL podcast community would consider being called wackadoo a, a, sort of a compliment. Right. But um, <laughs> I, I went through, like, you know, I was tr- trying to, like, get around, get my hands around, wrap my head around, however you phrase it, um, why – after those few weeks while I kind of got hooked and, and um, she got it. She got, you know, Luke has a certain undeniability, you know, you hear some of these podcasters and, and actors and, and such talk about, well, just be undeniable and then no one can stop you. And, and he's got that, you know, so, and she, she acknowledged that she could see that. And, and Sean and, and some of the other people on the show were, were, were interesting. Um, but the thing is, the one part I was kind of having a little bit of trouble with was, was Jennifer. And, and I, I said, well, hey, honey, what, uh, you know, I, I don't really get how to describe why, you know, Jennifer was, was you know, such a cool part of the show. And, and she looked at me and she said, don't you get it? Like, she's magic. And she used the word, like, 
she's not even a 10. She's like not even an 11. She's, she just lets me listen to it when I'm cooking dinner and, and, and things like that. And she goes, Harper was straight magic. She's why I let you listen to that show and, you know, let our kids listen to, to you know, the kind of ribald humor and, and things like that. She goes, she was amazing. Um, and like, you can't, she doesn't, Jennifer doesn't have that undeniability that Luke, she doesn't have inevitability. She, you, you just don't know where it's going to go, but she has this personality that seems buried deeply in, in some kind of weird stuff where she grew up and you just don't know what's going to come out. And she just made the show. You combined her magic with his, you know, undeniability and it just made a show that just hooked you and didn't let you go. And you were, you were stuck. You were, you were just stuck. And Andrew's great. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a Jen versus Andrew guy. I mean, they're both fantastic, but she had weird, attribute that was very hard to put your finger on but was was just really uh, i think my wife said it right which you know uh, you know it just brought up certain magic as je ne sais quoi whatever you to the show and 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 i i could never get away yeah i completely agree and that's what i strive for gen magic um are you kidding me you're you're gen squared oh that's nice so what episode if you can pinpoint it sealed the deal and made you a 10 now oh, the first time i listened to it after the first time so <laughs> I, you know, it, it feels like the it, first time so the first those first five minutes and and that definitely didn't seal the deal <laughs> that um pushed me away a little bit but uh when i went back to it a few weeks later i i, I just i don't know what if i was traveling or if i was you know, i guess i wasn't traveling so just terrestrial at that point but um, when I listened to it again, I, they had worked any, they didn't really have kinks to work out. They just had to get out of their own way. And once they did, I mean, it was sad. And I, I don't know which episode it was, but it was a few weeks after, after the show started on, on 710. All right. And why does TBTL matter to you and or your family or both? Mm, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just fun to watch I mean, in its current form. It's fun to watch Luke dance, <laughs> if you know what I mean. He, he, the, the man can dance. I mean, and I don't, you know, obviously not, not physically, you know, just he's so quick on his feet, <laughs> so extemporaneous. He's so um, just sharp as a, as a tack, funny as hell. Uh, you know, Andrew's right there with him. Um so in its current form, in the original form, it was something a, a little more profound, I think. I just because you really, really rooted for Jennifer. I mean, mm-hmm. you knew Luke was fine, and you, I guess, you rooted for Sean too, yeah. <laughs> or you maybe you prayed. <laughs> Root for Jen, pray for Sean. I like it. <laughs> pray for Sean, um, but. Um, you, you didn't worry about you didn't worry about Luke unless unless he he drank himself into something. <laughs> but um, his current form is just it's just good fun. It's just it, it's, he's fantastic. He's so quick. And 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 ten years from now we're going to be watching him on something bigger. I think. And have you? Can attend- I jump? Okay. Sure. Go ahead. Sure. <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, I'm just curious because you've been a fan for so long and you heard that super terrible awkward first night which i went back and listened to you know i i joined the bandwagon a long time after a lot of people but uh, i'm just curious what you think of luke's progression from those early days to today because he just strikes me as such a different man i mean sometimes i wonder if the show would be 
or rather how different the show would be if it was still him and Jen, but I feel like it would still be a completely different animal because uh, he's grown and changed so much. And I'm sure Jen will have too, and would be, you know, showing that if she was on the show regularly. I, I think you're, you're right, Robert, but um, I, I think Jen was just so much more mature at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think she had as much room to grow. Um, I think she was already pretty, um, pretty well established as a, as a functional adult. Um, but you know, I, I'm going to turn my question, if you don't mind a little bit to in a different direction, which is, which is Andrew. Um, you know, that, that same conversation I was referring to earlier with my wife, um, she, she couldn't stand Andrew. Like she, she really didn't like listening to him. And I think it was the sort of navel gazing, ruminating thing that, that, he kind of brought to the table in those first, you know, few weeks or maybe, maybe a little longer when he was on the show. And then she's like, what? why is he complaining? Why? Okay. We get it. You're a white guy. Stop hating yourself. But he has grown immensely. <laughs> you know, he is a entirely different person. I don't mean this. Like I'm some kind of, I don't know him. You know, I, I, I'm not a friend of his. I don't, I don't, you know, suggest that I've, have any sort of insight that that's of any interest to anyone, but just when you listen to someone every day for five days a week, you kind of get, get, get a sense for where they're at. And, and boy, I think he has become just a, a terrific host or co-host, I guess, mm -hmm. but, but also seems to have really grown as a person. And you're right, Luke has, but Luke moved from a little bit more of a frat boy to a little bit more of a, a grown up. Whereas Andrew, I just think has become a much more interesting and, and, and I don't. I don't want to say mature because it sounds patronizing, but much more interesting person. Yeah, I think that that has well, to do a lot with not having the stress, since this is his full time job and they pretty much have free reign. And I think that having, if if Jen would have been in this role without having to worry about censors or ratings or ad sales, yeah. we would have seen a whole different person as well. I mean, just the times when she's on, right? Yeah, that's a good thought. I hadn't, I hadn't even considered that. I mean, when you hit your job, yeah, you're just I, not a nice person. I can I can vouch for that for, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you think Jen hated her job? What was that? Do you think Jen hated her job? No, I think that her job was to keep keep Sean and Luke in line and to mm -hmm. make sure that that all fell through or didn't fall through, right? All, nothing <laughs> fell through the cracks and that they didn't um, get the Mormons all in a bunch. <laughs> I think Andrew hated his job. And so when he fought traffic, you know, cruel, soul crushing traffic all day and then came home and had to do a TBTL, it just, it's not fun. Okay, Kevin, um, you have an interesting job or had one. And I'd like to hear, hear a little bit about that. Um, sure. Yeah. I used to work, um, for a biotech that, was called Life Technologies, and they ended up getting purchased by someone else. But um, a lot of the the work, and and I think I think this was in the the run sheet a little bit. Um, so I, I was a little prepared for, for this mm -hmm. question. But um, the um, I worked with DNA sequencing and protein sequencing, uh, but primarily DNA sequencing, and that means um, crime labs. And uh, people in crime labs are are really strange. They have a very blue sense of humor. And, um, and uh, just sort of a story to illustrate that I was doing a training 
was doing a training on, on, on a piece of equipment. Um, my job was to fix problems and then also to train people on kind of how to fix problems as well. And so I had this group of 15 or 16 um, crime lab workers, and I'm not going to say which crime lab because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Um, this is the same crime lab that stored my reagents next to a whole bunch of drugs, which um, I had free access to, and that's a really, you can't do that in chain of custody in crime labs. But uh, so I'm doing this 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 um, troubleshooting, uh, sort of teaching them how to troubleshoot their instrument a little better. And one of the things that I used to do in my trainings is I would say, um, I would refer to chemistry problems as the C word. Because so, a lot of times when you're troubleshooting, um, chemistry is a lot harder to troubleshoot than, than hardware or, or, or you know, user error, things like that. And so I'm in front of this group, 15, 16 people, and I say, and then when you're done troubleshooting the hardware, you have to consider troubleshooting the C word. And this <laughs> woman standing, I'm sure you can see where this is going, standing in the middle of all these people goes, oh, you mean cunt? <laughs> True. I was polaxed, as polaxed as you could be. I'm standing there with my mouth. Everyone's looking at her, you know, and she looks around herself kind of incredulously. She goes, oh, yeah, you have to consider maybe if you're on your period and maybe that's why you made the mistake. (laughs) I I wanted to run for the flipping door. I was like, someone's going to sprint for HR right now. Like, they're just. (laughs) You should have just said, I'm out. (laughs) <laughs> taking the rest of the day. <laughs> but these people that work in these crime labs are so twisted. I mean, you have to understand. I mean, they see dead kids and all sorts of stuff. Right. But, um, they, they all started going like, oh, well, that's actually kind of reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why ladies can't be scientists. Right. <laughs> Sorry, we're just filling the mic away. <laughs> that's true. I, I, I didn't even think about it from that aspect. But anyways, yeah, these people were, these people were, were, were about as strange a people as you can work with. And, um, and I, I don't know. That was just a kind of a funny anecdote that I thought. You could... <laughs> that was worth it. I liked it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I think it's time we get into a little TBTL history with the clip that you've brought us tonight, Kevin. Yes. And you've brought us from the early days, not very early, but all the way back from April of 2010. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this clip and why you chose to submit this at littleredbandwagon.com. Sure. Um, so I, I guess one of the things that I, I, I kind of like about Luke is he, he's, he's got a little bit of, well, yeah, I guess he refers to it as the big dog. You know, when he gets pretty masculine and, and you know, that I think someone once referred to he and, and, and Andrew is frat boys, which um, kind of, I think, drove him a little crazy. As anyone who spent much time in a in a locker room or or in a fraternity for that matter knows that Andrew is the opposite of that and Luke's about if that but anyways he got into a tussle at the Mandarin Gate some uh some I, I what did he terror die hard terrorist he's terrorist from Die Hard, yeah. Blue blocker <laughs> sunglasses. Right, which which drives me crazy. I, those guys would have just pissed them frick out of me um i mean anyone who wears sunglasses in a bar at midnight when it's already a dark bar is just an insecure prick that i don't want to have any part of and makes me just well 
I don't know, want to go sing a Phil Collins song and make fun of him, which is exactly <laughs> what we did. Um, well, although I wouldn't, I don't think I, 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 when you listen to the story, I mean, I, you guys have listened to it. I'm, I'm assuming. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, when you listen to it, like, how could you, especially into your cups, how could you pull that off? Like just turn a Phil Collins song into like this extemporaneous diss on these two guys sitting right in front of you. Like, I, like that's, that's why Luke's Luke, you know, and like, no, no, you can't pull that off. But anyways, he did. And well, and- let's hang on, Kevin. Let's, let's take a moment now. Uh, well, several moments actually. And let's go ahead and take a listen to this clip so that, uh, everyone can catch up with us. And then on the other side, we'll pick it up and go from there. So, uh, Jeremy or me, whoever's editing <laughs> this episode, why don't we roll that clip now? <laughs> I have to tell you guys something, uh, uh, Jen. Some shit went down at the Mandarin Gate on Friday night that you will not believe. Oh no! Yeah, it's it's. Uh, let me. It, it's it, hi, kids. Welcome to the magical world of stories, where horses can fly and the animals talk, and wishes come true at the blink of an eye. So, um, uh, after uh, Arrested Development trivia, um, me and Camaro Kev and the Mummy and DJ Tuna and Vanessa all went over to the Mandarin Gate. Actually, what happened was we tried to go to the Yin War Garden in Greenwood, but it was like a mob scene. Then we tried to go to the Baranoff, which was also a mob scene. And so then we went over to the Mandarin Gate, and it was like the most perfect situation of all time because we had been at these two places where it was like too many people and this kind of just crazy scene. And then we go to the Mandarin, and there's like two people in there. And we sit down in the back corner, and Frank, uh, the bartender, is like, hey, guys. He comes out, shakes our hand. He's so excited that we're there. We have our special table. And it's like, yes, this this is where we this is where we hang our hats. You know, it felt like it was our place, and uh, and and we had all you know all the whole gang was there, which was so fun. And so we get some drinks. This is definitely the beginning of every horror movie I've ever seen. That's right. Everything seems to be going great. Yep. Yep. Uh, it, it was like you know we were going to later have sex in a sleeping bag. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt was there. Yes, that's right. Um, so yeah, everything was just, it started out so great and we, you know, we get some drinks and we're cheersing and we're just like, I mean, I really had this feeling because, you know, I've been on the little red wagon and uh, Camaro Kev has been, he was off the sauce for a while. So we were hanging out, but it was always kind of like this thing where some part of the contingent wasn't drinking or was just like, we, we hadn't had like all these sort of elements hadn't come together. The, the planets hadn't aligned in this way, but here we were at the Mandarin gate and it was like we, we had our run of the place and we were all, you know, having a drink and and it was just like everybody was in a great mood. So uh, that's the beginning of the night at the gate. And we're, you know, we're just like enjoying the heck out of it. We get up, uh, we're singing some songs. It's going really well. And it's about uh, like midnight. We've been there for probably about 45 minutes. And this crew of like. I, I'll call them kids because they were relatively young. This crew of people walks in, and it's like three guys and a girl. And two of the guys are wearing sunglasses, like wearing sort of blue blockers shades kind of uh, kind of a thing. They look mm-hmm. like they might be 
they might even be European. They look they look like they're confused and slightly put off by this world. Um, <laughs> and one of them was wearing what kind of looked like a modified sort of members only jacket. They had a little like Nehru type collar, which was all zipped up. And they weren't talking. For some reason, they looked German to me because they weren't speaking to each other. They were just sitting at their table. They looked kind of like terrorists from Die Hard. Like yeah, wearing sunglasses. And it's, by the way, I don't know what F-stop it was at the Mandarin Gate, but it was freaking dark. You can barely see in there like if you're not wearing sunglasses. Okay. And so they sit down. And they're wearing their sunglasses, and they're just not even talking. They're not smiling. They're like – they look really sort of angry that they're there, but they are looking at the karaoke list. And for some reason, their presence at the Mandarin Gate made our table kind of furious because it was like, we're having fun. This is a great scene, and now there's like the bad guys from Die Hard are sitting two tables away from us being weird and sullen. And it was just kind of like, and, and, you know, we were all starting to get into our cups a little bit at our table. Yeah. So we're talking, you know, what's up with those guys and why are they wearing sunglasses and how ridiculous. So it's my turn to sing a song and I'm, uh, I'm going up there to sing Phil Collins against all odds, which is, uh, you know, a favorite of mine. And, uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to turn this frown upside down <laughs> I am oh. going to make friends with these folks, and I am going to – this actually is somewhat of a gen thing to do. I'm not trying to blame you for what happened, although I do blame <laughs> you a little bit. I'm not trying to rope you into my own hellscape, but I am saying that this is – my brain was working maybe a little bit like how your brain works sometimes, mm-hmm. which was like, you know what I need to do? I just need to make contact with these people, and I'm going to find out that they're actually awesome and or at least likable. They just need you to make the first move. That's what I thought. So I walked up to the guy um, who was sitting uh, sort of in the aisle way, and uh, I said, hey, dude, um, can I borrow your sunglasses for this song? I think it would really help bring it home. And he looks at me like, again, like a diehard terrorist. He was the Alan Rickman of the No, piece? no, he wasn't, because Alan Rickman was too, like, verbose. Like Alan oh, Rick- he was like the Alexander Gudinov. Exactly. Like he, or you know what? These guys, they also kind of reminded me of, like, those albino twins from The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Like, they don't talk. They don't really, like, like, you might put your hand through them and they're a hologram. <laughs> like, you just, like, he looked at me and he didn't say anything. He didn't go like, no way, dude, or like, what are you doing? He just looked at me and he went like, he sort of mumbled no and shook his head and then went back to looking at the karaoke thing, which is so bizarre to me because it's like, why would you go to that place yeah. if you were why so- Why are you there? Why are you there if you're so not fun? And and also, why wouldn't you have more of a reaction? If someone came up to me and wanted to borrow my sunglasses, I would say, even if the answer was no, I think I would say like, no way, dude. I don't want you to break them. Or or maybe even I'd be upset and I would say, what are you talking about? Somehow my reaction would be more than just right. looking kind of confused, shaking a head and going, oh, uh, no. And then going back to the uh, karaoke list. Okay, so for whatever reason, this struck me as a very uncool way for him to react. And I went up there on stage and I was just filled with a lot of frustration with this table. And the song Against All Odds started. And what I realized as the first words came up and were ready to be uh, sung was that this was also the perfect song for making up new lyrics about this table. Oh, no. And I went into 
Um, I think I kind of went into another place. I, I, I channeled. I wish I, I can't even remember the lyrics, but I seriously channeled the funniest. And Vanessa will back back me up on this, as will uh, DJ Tuna and the Mummy. I somehow, somewhere deep within my my body, I don't know, or my brain, or maybe I was channeling Romtha. Some somehow moving through me, perhaps for Bacharach. Moving through me was the funniest song ever about this table set to the tune of "Against All Odds." I called. Were you it, mentally prepared to no throw down? N- no, and I had. Were no, you, was this like West Side Story? Were you trying to start a dance fight? No, I wasn't trying to start a dance fight. But somehow, when I got on stage, this this weird intersection happened between me being just drunk enough, and I wasn't like wildly drunk. I was just a little drunk. I mean, just drunk enough, and really annoyed at these guys, and having a song that was somehow the perfect tempo for doing this. And I started, you know, singing something like you know. Like, you know, why wouldn't you let me borrow your glasses? And then as each line went on, it got more and more funny. And <laughs> my friends were dying. And like, I never, it, it, you know what it was? It was like I was channeling Eminem in 8 Mile. Like, oh, I yeah. was the world's best freestyle rap singer. Were they looking at you at the stage by this point or were they ignoring you? They were ignoring me, except for like uh, the girl that was with them was laughing apparently. But they were having sort of no reaction. Um, and I, I said, I remember singing that one of the guys looked like Phil Spector in his booking in his in his <laughs> booking photo, and he did. That was the crazy part. I, I I called one of the other guys pleasantly plump. I like. I mean, it was insane. It was insane how funny this was, Jennifer. I can't even tell you. I mean, I I don't even. The reason I feel comfortable saying that is because I could never do it again. I don't even think it was me. It was some other spirit took possession of me. So I finished the song and I'm done. I mean, I, did, I didn't do one part of the song the normal way. I did the entire song as a burn on this table. And I get down off the stage and I walk and I, I realize as I'm getting down like, okay, maybe that was a little bit too far. And now what I'm thinking is I'm going to go over. I'm going to shake the guy's hand. I'm going to be like, all right, dude, I was just giving you a hard time. Can I buy you guys a round? Let's be cool. I felt like the, I felt like the song yeah, was the song was trying to get him back for being kind of unfun about the glasses, but I thought I now now I'm the one being kind of a jerk, so I need to I need to uh, I need to to make it right. So I, I put my hand out, I extend the, the right hand of fellowship to mm-hmm. these guys, and I walk up to him, and he doesn't do anything, and I say, "Hey, dude, I was just giving you a hard time," and he will not look at me, he will not react to me, he will not. I mean, he will not shake. You didn't my shake hand. your hand. He wouldn't shake my hand. So I decide – and this was also a mistake we would later learn. I decide to sort of tussle his hair. Oh, no. But what I – in my mind at the time, what was happening was I was trying to ex- – I was trying to express to him that I wasn't try- – that, that I wanted to be friends. And By so, treating him like your six-year-old neighbor? I didn't – I wasn't trying to tussle his hair. I was trying to pat his head. I wasn't trying to mess up his hair. I was just trying to like pat him on top of the head to say like and, – and I should have – what I should have done is patted him on the shoulder. But I was trying to pat him on the head just to say like let's be friends, dude. No hard feelings because he had, he had chosen to not accept my, my handshake. So I pat him on the head slash tussle his hair and he is – now he's not happy. Now he sort of stands up like what the heck. And I say, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to – you know, I'm trying to be friends with you here. And then he doesn't say anything and then my table's like get back here. So I go back to my table. 
Where I am greeted, by the way, as a hero. <laughs> and Vanessa doesn't even like it when I pull it's these. It's BJ pins. Day at your table. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Uh, Vanessa, of course, hates it when I pull this kind of crap. But even she has to admit that it's like one of the funniest things she's ever heard in her life. And, um, you know, everybody else is like, oh, my God, I-, I don't even know where you came up with that. That was so great. Hilarious. So we sit down and, uh, you know, we're all we're all laughing and we're all sort of like, you know, having more drinks and we're just hanging out. And that table is sitting there suddenly. One thing has changed, though. They've all taken off their blue blockers, which is hilarious because, like, during the song, they wouldn't give me the satisfaction. But now that it's been like they waited as long as they could with so that it wouldn't look like it was a reaction to what I had said. But they finally had to admit they couldn't actually read the song choices. Right. That was right. So, um, okay. So there, uh, but one of the guys, like the Phil Spector dude, comes over and is now standing at an empty table right next to us. He's not doing anything. He's just standing at an empty table. He's not looking at us. He's not talking to us. He's just sort of standing there for like a long time, for like 20 or 30 minutes. And the pleasantly plump guy, the guy whose head I patted, he uh, is like on the phone or something. And we all joke and we're like, I think he's calling in the reinforcements. (laughs) Now, these guys were not tough at all. And as we all know, I've been in uh, a fight at the Mandarin Gate. So this is kind of like, you know, this is this is this is not exactly uncharted waters for me. And these guys. Well, and the mummy is gigantic i mean he's what six five six four he's six four but he weighs about 140 pounds soaking wet so there's not just that but i would think that he would be intimidating because he's so tall he is intimidating because he's tall you're right so like i'm not i'm i'm totally not freaked out by these guys like i mean and what i really want them to do is just come over and even if they want to come over and say what the heck i'll say Hey, look, no hard feelings. Let's let's have a round and let's all be friends. So, so the fact that they're on the phone to Munich, right? Getting backup, right? You're not even worried about that. I'm not worried at all because, like, seriously, what are they going to do? Call someone to come over and try to beat me up, like over a karaoke song? I mean, has that ever even happened in history? Uh, like every day in the Philippines, um, but among adults, right? But usually the people are all there. The people are all present. Like, would you call in backup to come, like, try to fight me over a character? Wouldn't you just do the fighting? So I'm sitting in the, in the back there, and I'm, you know, just having a good time, and I'm feeling very unfazed by the whole thing. And uh, about 10, 15 minutes after the song, a tremendously steroided up dude comes charging into the bar wearing a really tight T-shirt and a chain necklace that looks, as Camaro Kev later put it, like a Huffy BMX chain wrapped around his neck. <laughs> and he comes oh over. Oh, my gosh. And what he looks, I'm just thinking of Vanessa at this point. What oh. he looks like is a really roided up version of the guy I've patted on the head. And it, is he like Biff from Back to the Future? He's, um, yeah, but not as tall. He's not so much tall as he is crazy in the eyes and okay. and 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 like just looks like one of those people who just loves nothing more than to fight like I, so much so that he brings his own chain around his neck that's right he comes walking in and and he goes over and he stands near the table where the pleasantly plump guy is and he and the pleasantly plump guy start talking and the pleasantly plump guy starts pointing at me and i realize this guy is there to beat me up. 
He is Pleasantly Plump's brother. <laughs> and Pleasantly Plump has no reservations about calling someone up to come fight me. Not he himself coming over and saying what the heck, but calling up his crazy, turns out, brother to come over and menace me. <laughs> so the guy is just standing over at the table. And now I realize, I don't know if Phil Spector was just doing recon to keep us from leaving or to overhear our conversation or try to figure out our, our, our weak point. I don't know what's going on with Phil Spector, but now he has fallen back to the table. So everyone at our table is like, you have got to be kidding me. Is this really happening? And I'm now kind of bummed out because I'm thinking – this guy is not I, – I realized at some point I don't think the guy was going to come over to the table for a while because he didn't like get you know get the visual ID on me and then run over to the table and start fighting. He was just standing at the other table mean mugging me. He was just standing at the other table like looking at me, just staring daggers at me and standing up and just staring at me. So I was like, well, this night is kind of ruined at this point. Like we're not going to be able to sing. We're probably not going to be able to leave without a hassle. Like this is this problem is not going to solve itself. So let's just bring it to a head and get it over with, and then hopefully we can try to salvage you know part of the night. So I this is your group plan is well, you're going to bring it to a head. Well, this was I I, I made an executive decision. The group okay. was doing a variety of things. Uh, some of them were hiding. Some of them <laughs> were using the bathroom. Some of them were at the bar. Some of them were. Some of them were, you know, kind of getting my back saying, don't worry, we'll be fine. But I just decided I got to. I like, feel like I know exactly who was playing each of those roles. Right. So I was like, OK, I've got to um, I've got to just like I've got to do something here because I, I can't I'm not going to sit here in torpor for the next hour, like awkwardly not looking at the guy or terrified as I walk up to the stage to sing like my next song, which by the way, would not have been about that table at this point. <laughs> so my move is I stare at the guy and I start doing like a warm up as if I was like, like one of those, like, like a, like a, a weightlifter from the 1800s. <laughs> I start like stretching out my shoulders I start cracking my knuckles. I start like rolling my shoulder, like waxing my mustache. I start doing like everything that a guy in like a leopard toga would do. <laughs> like, and, and, and I guess he takes this as the international sign for it is on. It's on. <laughs> so he comes storming over to our table and now I stand up. And I'm in my, by the way, I'm in my $17,000 suit because I had been doing Arrested Development trivia. So I'm also thinking, I don't want to get this suit torn up. And I'm also just like, I don't want to be the guy who gets in a fight every time I go to the Mandarin Gate, right? <laughs> because the worst part about this is it feels to me like Frank is going to start thinking I'm the problem. Like the last mm -hmm. time I had a fight in the parking lot, he took my side. He was like, that guy was a jerk. But if it's if it's happening a lot, pretty soon I'm the guy who starts fights. There. The common denominator might be you. And the problem is, I think it is. I would like to think that just lightning struck me twice. But what I have to really think, what I, if I if I if I take a real moment to reflect, I am the problem. Like I'm the one who keeps starting. I'm the one who keeps going up and singing Phil Collins songs about people. So is this? Are you having this realization about yourself as you're standing up to take on this guy? No, it's this is all in hindsight. Okay, but but, but 
so the guy comes over and I stand up and he's standing on the other side of the table and he's just like, you know, saying like he's swearing at me a bunch and he's really like um, super aggressive, but also not actually fighting me. Like, is he calling out your crime? Is it that you touched the guy or yes. that you sang about it? He says that I hit the guy, which oh. totally didn't happen. So I realized, oh, I think he, the brother might have called him. Oh, and by the way, Pleasantly Plump and Phil Spector have now come over too. Now they're feeling very tough mm-hmm. because they've got their enforcer there mm-hmm. in his very tight T-shirt and his huffy bike chain necklace. <laughs> so the enforcer is now there and he's yelling at me just every kind of expletive you can and let's go let's go outside let's do this and I said to the pleasantly plump I said you really called your brother to come fight me over a karaoke song and and he's like and I can't remember what he's saying but he's like yeah I did let's go and like now the three of them want to go fight me in the parking lot is somebody on stage singing right now or has the bar gone silent like in the movies um the bar is pretty silent it also isn't helping that there's like four other people in the entire bar the other people in the entire bar are like Mm -hmm. this lady who used to be a bartender there who's hanging out with some friends like a couple of the regulars that sit at the bar and play like um photo hunt and (laughs) a lot and then this like kind of interesting lady who's like always there by herself always singing these very kind of depressing songs like if they if there was a 2010 version of uh of that uh, painting nighthawks <laughs> she would be in it she's just kind of this like weird i would say a little bit seemingly sad loner she was sitting like two tables over from us so there's no one else really in there and so that adds to the awkwardness cuz it's not like a loud boisterous place it's like already pretty quiet and so this guy is just like yelling every expletive in the book at me and saying he wants to go outside and fight. And I, at this point, am thinking, this is really not worth it. Number one, I don't want to have a Donnybrook in here because Vanessa will never forgive me. I mean, she will literally never forgive me if I start, if, if I have like a road, if I have like a roadhouse style bar fight. Opinions vary. If I go straight roadhouse on it, A, Vanessa will never forgive me. B, the Mandarin Gate will never let me back in here again. And see, I mean, there is the chance I could also just get my face really punched a lot. Right. So I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to think, how do I, I also don't want to go to the parking lot to fight. I'm not, the other problem is I'm not drunk enough to do this at this point. Like, I'm not, I'm not where I was the last time I got into an actual altercation there. So it's like I am actually a little bit too logical where I'm like, it would be nice if I could try to not have a fight over this. So I say to Pleasantly Plump, hey, what's your name, dude? I start thinking about like how can I, how can I now actually like calm the situation down? I go, what's your name? He's like, F you. That's my name. Oh, and, dear. And I ask Phil Spector, what's your name? And he's like, Evan. And he goes, it's the same as his name. I guess the enforcer is named Evan, which I thought was interesting that he was that into the coincidence of that <laughs> at that moment. I said, hey, listen, yeah. Evan, let's just talk about this. This is not worth it. And I can tell Evan is mad, but he's not like – first of all, I don't think he got the Phil Spector reference. <laughs> and then and, – That's and, probably good. Yes, probably just as well. He did, by the way, look exactly like uh, like a younger Phil Spector. But anyway – he was like – he was mad, but I could tell – I could talk him down. And if I could talk him down, it was like we'll just be able to kind of work this out and 
you know, I, I started to get the feeling a little bit that I didn't know if the enforcer really wanted to fight me because he was doing this thing. And this happens a lot when you play pickup basketball, like at Green Lake, guys will get into it and they'll do this thing where they like act like they want to fight. But then they'll also be like, hold me back. Like, because they just want to look like they want to fight. Yeah. But if they wanted to punch you, they would just start punching you. And there's some, there's, they're not punching you. So it's like, why are they why are they actually not? Like, this guy could have just walked around the table and started swinging, but he didn't. He instead stood on the other side of the table yelling all, all manner of insult. And so, anyway, um, I, I can't – Pleasantly Plump just is not to be – like, he now has been – it's been simmering. It's been boiling the anger. He's not going to let this go without some kind of a physical thing. So I'm trying. I'm trying to kind of wind – the mummy is like – kind of trying to calm things down but then they're like you know what the heck you know they want to fight him and then they're like you're skinny to the mummy (laughs) he's like and it's just like it's just now like everyone everything has stopped but the people at the bar i think don't exactly know frank doesn't exactly know what to do so he's still back behind the bar kind of hiding or whatever and i'm starting to think okay everyone's running out of steam here this is going to eventually just calm down and we can leave at least and then uh Huffy bike chain. Well, two things happen. One is he's yelling something about how he's going to kick my ass. And I, I say, nice necklace, dude. I go, that's like the gayest necklace I've ever seen. This and, is a, you're calling on your being a professional communicator to solve right. this. And that's what you came up with. Um, yeah, I, it was not my finest moment in the fact that I was probably using gay slightly as a pejorative and that like, you know, just why that doesn't in any way sort of calm things down so i go mm-hmm. i go that's like probably the gayest necklace i've ever seen and here's what he says he goes oh nice i'm gay thanks a lot you homophobe <laughs> then he wants to fight me because i'm a homophobe <laughs> and later some of the people were saying i don't know if he was really gay and i was like if he wasn't really gay but he just used that as a gambit that was ballsy yeah so now he's really mad at me because now he has a righteous cause right and, you know, I mean, he's not wrong. I wish I wouldn't have said that. That was really dumb. And um, although it was a ridiculous necklace, it, I don't know if it was particularly uh, homosexual in nature. Because so, I'm thinking most gay guys I know wouldn't be caught dead in that. Ex- yeah, precisely. <laughs> so uh, now he's really mad because I'm a homophobe. I also thought it was an interesting – it was an interesting case study in how the word homophobe has been so normalized that in a fight that is ostensibly about machismo – one of the things one of the guys can say to the other guy is, you're such a homophobe <laughs> while fighting. And that's, you know, that's like, sure that no one's going like homo. Like no one's even, it's like, that's that, that word is out there. And it's part of the, it's so a part of the conversation that it's like, you can yell that at someone as a diss now. Yeah. Even while you're, you know, fighting. So finally, uh, he's yelling about that. Um, and my, I can tell people at my table just like want to get out of there. And so I, I'm like, look, you guys, let's just calm it down. Let's calm it down. I'm not a homophobe. I shouldn't have said that. Let's just everyone take a breath. And I really feel like even though I started at this point, I have now really taken on the role of just trying to kind of be the, the, the peacemaker. And uh, the guy, Vanessa says something like, dude, just back off to uh, the roided up enforcer. Um, and he says something to her. He turns and says something really like disparaging to her. And that's when, like, I – my whole brain explodes. Like, you can say stuff to me, but, like, seriously, yeah. not to get all old school on it, but if you say some shit to my girlfriend, like, 
I, at that point, am going to go bananas. Like, it just is is I you know and and I'm not yes. trying to be all I'm not trying to be all like you know oh, I'm so tough but I really that was the that was the line that I felt like should not be crossed as much as I started the fight as much as I was sort of ultimately in the wrong like you can't say shit to my girlfriend so I like I like like try to clear the table I jump up on because I'm kind of a little bit hemmed in in the corner I jump up on the like bench or whatever you call it the cushion the couch thing and i start trying to run around the table to take a swing at huffy bike necklace and as i get onto the cushion and start running toward him fist cocked he does the fastest retreat i have ever seen in my life he like half falls half like does a backwards dive skittering like three tables away from me and is literally almost cowering (laughs) And I realized at that moment this, that was not expected. I was like, "This guy does not want to fight. This guy, re- this guy is terrified of me." And it's hilarious because, like, I I look so unmenacing. Like, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a suit. I I'm you know like I, I I don't know. I'm just not I'm just not a menacing person by nature. And also, I'm looking my least menacing at this point. Like, if he was trying to fight me right now, he'd probably be afraid because I look like a I look like the Fisher King. <laughs> Yeah, but and crazy always trumps everything. Crazy, in a fight. Exactly, crazy power. So he like stumbles backwards, falls onto this table, grabs an empty beer bottle, and is like holding it. And I just like see this look in his eyes, and I realize, oh no, this guy doesn't want to fight at all. So then I'm like really relieved because I realize we don't have to actually have a fight. So I go back to the table. I say to everyone, okay, let's just pay our tab and get out of here. We pay our tab. We walk out. And he's like, oh, let's do this. But, of course, he doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I, we leave him and the German terrorists in our wake. <laughs> and the weird thing is the uh, kind of um, uh, the sort of depressed lady who always sits there by herself singing kind of sad songs. She shoves something into my hand as I'm walking past her. After all of this. I mean, after and, – and we basically shut the bar down like – it was like the police were probably on the way. Everything had – the karaoke DJ hated us. He seriously – he already kind of hates us because he always wants to sing Tool. And we're like, hey, we're signed up for songs. You don't get to sing Tool. But anyway, we were leaving and she shoved something into my hand, which I, I didn't even really think about or notice because we're like – it's just such a crazy scene. We get out of there. We jump in the car and I pull the napkin out and I open it up and it says, uh, you like me. And it has her phone number, and then it has a heart with an arrow drawn through it. <laughs> the lady gave me oh, my a napkin with her phone number on it with, with an arrow drawn through a heart that it said, you like me. What? <laughs> Have you had any interaction with her no oh no i've never I've, i don't think i've ever spoken to this woman in my life but you know how sometimes in the mandarin gate you're up singing and somebody gets up with you or you kind of tease around with somebody you haven't had anything like that with her i don't remember that uh, ever happening but i mean i don't remember a lot of what has happened there <laughs> but um but you're pretty sure you never asked her out or made out with her in a hall or anything oh, that, like that i'll tell you that i would remember um and no that hasn't <laughs> happened and i just thought what an interesting thing after all that, after, after just that entire melee and all that, what she's thinking is, I'd like to give that guy my number. 
<laughs> and it kind of made me feel slightly like a badass. I was like, I I understand the appeal of being the bad boy. Yeah. Uh, but um, anyway, so that's what happened on Friday night. And I it's going to be a long time before I can show my face at the Mandarin Gate. Like, I seriously think I'm on two strikes. Like, I'm going to have to go there and be altercation free for about the next 10 years. Or they're going to – I mean, really and truly, like I, – I, in fact, it very well may be the case that the next time I show up, they're like, all right, hey, you know, take it outside. Like, you're not welcome here because – what I feel really bad about is that we I basically ended up shutting the place down. Like by the time we left, I don't I mean, I don't know if they even start even cranked the karaoke back up. It was super awkward. Everybody was really angry. Although, you know what? I, I I've been going there for 10 years or whatever. I have a feeling that kind of stuff actually happens all the time. Um, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's happened two times that I've been there and I've been in the middle of it both times. Well, and I've had some, you know, I've definitely been there when some stuff was going down. Yeah. And it's there's there's something about the Mandarin Great that makes people feel aggressive. I don't know what it is. I just I I really regret um, you know, singing a whole although the song was awesome for the record, I regret like singing this whole song and just kind of like I what I wish I would have done was I wish I would have just kind of filed that table away under Boy, that was dumb. Why would you wear sunglasses inside and then just left it at that? And then I also regret telling the guy that is not. Mm, I think the I think it was the touching. I think you should just really be careful about touching people. That's exactly what Vanessa said. Um, so yeah, the touching I guess really made them mad. Um, but I just I, I wish that I I mean I definitely am the one I'm responsible for the whole event happening because I started the ball rolling. There's no two ways about it. But I also kind of can't believe that the dude called his brother to come fight me. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it was like we we all like, you know, later on, we went, of course, to the casino and we were hanging out and we were all talking about it. And we were just all kind of like, you know, even a, even by Mandarin Gate standards, that was off the charts weird, <laughs> <laughs> which is really saying something. So, but I, it's definitely I've learned like I, I used to always pull the move where I would put my hand on the small of somebody's back to try to get by them. Yeah. And one time a girl turned around and she grabbed my shirt yeah. and shoved me back. And then she yelled at me. Pulling that is like yelling move in my ear. It's like a verbal way of yelling move in my ear. And I thought, wow, people are really sensitive about touching. Yeah, I think you're right. You know what? I think that that was for, in this particular case where things went from them just being mad at me to them being like, we're going to fight. Or more to the point, we're going to call someone to fight you. <laughs> We are going to, in fact, release the Kraken. Release the Kraken! Um, but you know what? It, it has really caused me some self-reflection because I have to really not pick so many fights with people. And I have to really not be – the other thing that was lame of me was when the guy showed up, I could have just – even though he was like you know, yelling all this stuff, I could have just said, listen, dude, let's – I could have de-escalated things, but I'm so prideful and I didn't want to look like a wuss, you know, that I just, I was definitely, you know, as he was yelling at me, it wasn't like I was going like, I wasn't like, you know, putting a daisy in the, in in the rifle of, in, in, you know, in, in the barrel of his rifle or something. It was like, I was, I was definitely keeping it going. And then he would retreat to his table for a while and then I would get mad and yell, you know, it's like, I have to like. I, I have to really learn how to just leave it alone sometimes. And also when, you know, when it's okay to give someone a hard time and when is it not? And I, cause I really am, I always have these run-ins and I've always thought to myself, 
boy, people are crazy, but it's like, no, wait, I'm the crazy. <laughs> I have to say, though, that I think of you as an NPR personality, and I kind of like the fact that you're a brawler because I think that's missing from their stable of well, personalities. I, it definitely fills, it fills a need as far as NPR goes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know what I think the problem is? I think I also feel that way. Like, I like to think of myself as being kind of a hard-drinking, hard-driving, crazy man who also <laughs> reads The New Yorker. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's all cute until you ruin everyone's time at the Mandarin Gate. And that was, the, yeah. that was the bummer about that night was that I just ruined it for everyone. Like, all of those antics, you know, ended up meaning that we had to leave, un, you know, under major duress. Every, that, all singing stopped for a half hour. Frank didn't sell as much booze as he should have. Like... It just—it just, it it was the day the music died. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So you know, I um, I'm gonna work on it. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna really try to start like kind of reining in my behavior a little bit because that was not a fun ending to the night, although it was an interesting one. So I'm sure this wasn't everyone's first question after hearing that, but my first question is, what do you think Luke did with that napkin? With the girl's number on it. I don't want to mess up the timeline, but I just needed to know where that napkin ended up. That woman is clinically something, and so I hope she did nothing. I don't know if you put an image in your mind. I've never been to the gate, actually, so I don't know what it looks like, but I feel like I have an idea. Um, All I could picture is the log lady from Twin Peaks. Me too. That's really funny. And like a weird sweater. Yeah, and just sort of there in the corner, kind of clutching herself, and yeah, anyway, I just, of all of all the things in that story, that just jumped out at me as, as what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, Aiden. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I cut you off before we stopped listening to the clip, Kevin. Uh, we were just getting into the story, and I think you were just impressed with Luke's uh, fortitude, despite his inebriated state, to be able to string together such a such a well executed burn on this group of uh german terrorists <laughs> yeah you know that 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 was fine but but the and phil specter and all those things i mean that, I mean, that was kind of nails but the thing that really stood out for me in this clip that, that it's one of my two favorite moments in all of the podcasts i've listened to which is a ludicrous amount um is when he told the guy that his necklace made him look like a fag. <laughs> or, or, no, I, I don't think he used that word. I think he said he, he looked gay. Right. Or, um, and the guy looks back at him and goes, oh, so you're a homophobe. I mean. <laughs> I love that. It's amazing. I picture, have you guys, you guys have, have you seen Happy Gilmore? Yes. Of course. Okay, so you know that scene when they're out in front of the grandma's house and Scooter Mc whatever um, Scooter McCluskey, I think it was. He goes Shooter, Shooter McGavin. McGavin. <laughs> okay, Shooter McGavin looks at Happy Gilmore and goes, "I eat pieces of shit like you for." <laughs> he looks back at him and goes, "You eat shit for breakfast?" And he's got that kind of trout mouth going like, "No," <laughs> like picture Luke as that. Like Luke's just like. Oh crap! <laughs> just called me out, and this this muscle bound Neanderthal he's flipping right. Oh my god! Like I think if he hadn't, if like imminent 
violence hadn't been like right in front of his face, he would have just sat down and like had a moment. Like, I, I gotta, I gotta rethink, you know, wh- mm-hmm. where I'm at right. <laughs> I love that this musclehead bully guy with a bike chain necklace is, is like, "Hey, homophobe! Wait, what? <laughs> Not just any bike chain necklace." A huffy, a huffy bike chain bike necklace, chain. <laughs> which looks like any other bike chain necklace, but Luke decided it must have been off a huffy, which oh, yeah. made me really happy. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's hilarious, and and plus, I mean, just the idea that like here's this NPR guy, and you know, and he's getting rightly called out for for uh, you know being homophobic. I I love that. And let's talk about the swing in his night. He went from a TBTL event hosting Arrested Development trivia in what he called his $17,000 suit. (laughs) And then he's shit-faced at the gate. Uh, Sounds like a great night. (laughs) Yeah, he's covering all his bases. You know, I got to ask, like, um, I think he said in that clip that he was, uh, oh, actually, it was probably before the clip. It was in that episode before the clip. He said he was 177 pounds. And that's a waste of a $17,000 suit. He's not wearing that suit anymore, right? No. (laughs) No. Oh, you know, uh, I I don't know if you've swung through several sizes like I have and like some of the other men who work on this podcast have, but... um, when you reach that point with a suit, you stop wearing the pants, but you think maybe I can still wear the jacket like as a separate. Uh huh. And so you, you wear really the jacket can't. a couple of times with khakis, and then you realize like but you can't wear it anywhere nice because you can't quite button it without straining the button. Mm hmm. And mm-hmm. then suddenly it gets tight in the shoulders and in the chest, and you're just fucked. Oh, and you have that moment where you're like, okay, do I buy a new suit? I mean, because yes, I have swung through sizes sadly, but um, and and you're like, do I? I can lose 10 pounds. Come on. I can do this before wedding season. And right. You know. <laughs> uh, no, the problem is you never know when you're going to need it. Something springs up, you know, a funeral, a court date. A court date. Yikes. <laughs> and you're just so rude. Oh, were, were, did you actually go to jail to take Mike's place? Did you I, get some prison? I threatened to. But we weren't sure I'd be able to get out in time, and we don't have the budget for the Adnan Syed collect call business. <laughs> Wait, what? What are you talking? Adnan Syed? What, what, what are those serial podcasts? Sorry, the serial. Oh, oh! I don't spoil it for me. I haven't gotten through that. Uh, well, here uh, I'll give you the thirty-second version. He might have done it. Okay, I'm plugging my ears. <laughs> la la la. That makes for good podcast, right? You plug, plug in my ears and going mm-hmm. la la la. Yes, uh, that's pretty much what I. Although I have to say, I actually had to go back after listening to this clip, and I just started playing against all odds over and over again for a solid day. <laughs> I know what uh-huh. I'm really sad about is that we don't have video of this. Oh God! Wouldn't God. that be great? The gate is not going to have security footage. No, I want I want tape of him singing. Oh, right. I don't care well, about the fight. <laughs> there is some video out there from our recent excursion to Bush Gardens after the Mariners game, and I think someone has at least a few seconds of Luke singing um, Runaround Sue. Oh, okay. So we'll have to see if we can find that and get it to the Facebook page. Uh, I know it exists. I, I'll throw it up at robertpape.com, and we'll see if I can find anywhere else for it, too. I've had multiple videos on my phone of him singing and then 
days later, I, I say, what the hell was I thinking? I don't need this. <laughs> because I have what, to say. What am I going to do mean, with I it? Would... Post it on the, on the Facebook page, on the Stens page? No. Not gonna do I'm actually going to start a change.org petition to make more of these videos available, and then I'm going to post that to the Stens page. Maybe we can uh, have our own TBTL is karaoke videos <laughs> of Luke page. Now, now hey, Robert, you're, you're kind of well-known for being mm, – is stalker too strong of a word? No. <laughs> okay. No, it's just about right. So what you're saying now is that your goal is to not – step back from the stocking but to go ahead and take it to the next level and start posting video of Luke Ramp whenever you get it. I don't know when this became interviewing me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just here. I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> I'm here to announce that Kevin is the new Mike. <laughs> I gotta well, get back to I have to get back to my notes from this clip. I have so much about this clip. I was so glad you picked this. Kevin, I, so I was, I joined the world of tens after this episode aired, but I know I'd heard it before. So I don't know. It must have either been a best of that Jen had put in the feed or was it pulled back for one of the holiday clip shows? I, I don't I, know when or how, but I know I've heard it before and not just because this has happened twice at the gate. Right. Right. He's told um, no, this story before, recently. I think past of, and um, no, I, I think I think they they actually did um, pull it up as a best of at one point. Um, okay, because I've sort of I've gone through and hit a lot of you know sections of the older shows from before my time, but I am not uh, a complete ten yet. So I know there are some early ones I'm missing, but this story, I mean, clearly it stands the test of time. This was like five years ago and it's still amazing. Um, By the way, did you guys, you know, when Jen was talking earlier and Luke was talking and he was saying, um, and, and she said, I know who was, uh, who was doing each role when he said someone was mm -hmm. off peeing, someone was, was next and you going like, Oh, we got this. Like, do you guys know his friends well enough to, to, to guess who was doing what? Um, oh, the man. one who had his back and saying we got this is definitely Thunder. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I, I think. Um, hiding, hmm, Vanessa, because she was just probably uh, mortified by the whole thing. Right. Uh, so Jessica was probably at the bar, just trying to stay out of the way, because that's mm -hmm. by process of elimination. She's one of the other people who was there. She she seems like she'd be hiding. But maybe in giving some encouragement from underneath the table, like, hey, hey, calm down. <laughs> hey, punch him this way. <laughs> now, I don't think any of them was described as macking it to ladies at another table, right? Because the mummy was there. Mm -hmm. The mummy was in the bathroom <laughs> trying to get free drinks. But I assume that, right, right. Maybe he followed the woman into the bathroom to have a tryst in the stall. <laughs> right. Luke just didn't want to blow up his spot when he was telling the story. So I get that. Yeah, you don't want to salt this game. <laughs> yeah, never salt another man's hustle. We just we we just covered that recently on the show. <laughs> um, as you know from the weekend review episodes, or one of my favorite things are these just one-liners that people get off, and sometimes they get lost in the fray. But it was Jen who actually said of the group of you know alleged terrorists. When they're on the phone calling in the brother, she just goes, right, they're on the phone to Munich. 
(laughs) (laughs) That was a stop down line for me. I had to pause the show. (laughs) So it's what? Pleasantly Plump and Phil Spector calling in Huffy Bike Chain Necklace. And, you know, you know, calm down the situation by tussling his hair. Yeah, I know. When he said that, I instantly got anxiety. Why did you do that? Even though I've heard it multiple <laughs> times now, I'm like, don't do it, Luke. Go back to the past and don't and untussle the hair. <laughs> and how how embarrassing are those guys to call your brother to come fight so you when Oh, how he's! I hope he's dead. I, I... <laughs> one also make sure that your brother will actually fight if you're gonna call him. Right. <laughs> exactly right, Christy. <laughs> right. I do have to say. I mean, Luke was of course telling the story from his perspective, so we don't know just how skewed that was in his favor. But the way he tells it, um. He was ready to calm down, and then it was just a jab at Vanessa that threw him over the edge. Mm-hmm. And I could see that. You know, deep, deep in all of this is that ounce of chivalry that I think we're just glad is in Luke. I think we know that that's there, mm-hmm. and you know that's going to be what does it for him. And and I'm, I always like a guy who's going to be in your corner and is willing to to go crazy when the time is right. And he proved it in that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, you're nothing like that, Robert, but, you know, you, you appreciate it, though. Oh, no, I'm at the bar with the mummy. Right. <laughs> playing wingman just to see what happens. <laughs> um, I, I, wish, I would love to find the original him telling the story of when he went big dog at the radio station because someone was mean to Sean. Does anyone remember that story? Uh, yeah, it was the uh, it was. Um, oh, shoot. What was his name? Like the news guy or something. Yes. Um, who reports on dumpster fires. Yes, that guy. Who is that, Robert? That's oh, going to be before me. I won't okay. get it right. Um, oh, uh, not. Is it Aaron something? Um, oh, this is um, what happens when Mike's not on the show. Mike, I know. Would, you would know the answer to this. We're officially disappointed we're, in you. We're missing you. Um, yeah, so whoever it was was rude to Sean. And Luke went insane on him, and he and he mm-hmm. said something like, "Do you know who the who I am?" or something. He definitely, or he even said, "Big dog." Didn't he say, "I'm the big dog around here"? Where that was the origin of big dog. He's right. like, "I'm the big dog. You're not the big dog. I'm the big dog." <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that he chose to not stay on the porch that night at the Mandarin Gate. Exactly. Oh, and then, then there's the other Mandarin Gate when he, um, Big Dog, and he said, oh, look, you're driving a Volkswagen. I have an Audi. And they had driven the Volkswagen that night. <laughs> yes. You know, I ran into him at the Mandarin Gate once. You did? Just randomly? Uh, um, I've been to the Mandarin Gate once, and the one time I went, um, I was with my wife, and we were at a party at our church, and we uh she wanted to do karaoke i hate karaoke she loves it so we went to the mandarin and i said i said well you know i heard on this show that they do pretty good karaoke up at this this place she's like okay and it's kind of by our house so we went and um camaro kev no no shoot uh, katie and thunder were were there and they were with luke and um uh 
and of course I recognize, you know, I, I listened to Stack of Dimes as well. And so I went over and I said hi to uh, to Camaro Kev and, and to JD. Shoot, I'm getting the name wrong again. But anyways, I went, hey, guys, you guys are from Stack of Dimes, right? And they looked at me like, and this was probably five years ago. Mm-hmm. So Stack of Dimes was thing. And uh, and they looked at each other. They're like, and they look at Luke, and they go, "You're putting us on." And he's like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't know." <laughs> Luke and 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 I and they said, "How? Well, whoa, man! You know, we've never been recognized in public." And you ask them, you know, they'll they'll probably remember. And uh, uh and I said, I said, "Yeah, no, you guys, second time's great. Let me buy you a drink." And um, uh, and they're they're still like looking at Luke like. Seriously, you're putting us on, right? You're putting us on. And, and, and they, they, they go, how do you know our show? I said, well, I heard about the show. And they pointed at Luke, and they go, well, this is Luke right here. And I looked at him, and I said, I said, I thought your hair was more spiky. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were taller. <laughs> he started to spike up his hair, and I could, I, I could tell. Well, I don't know. if I, I probably couldn't tell. But he seemed like maybe he was a little off-put that I didn't recognize him, but I recognized the other two guys who he – you know, uh, you know, probably aren't is didn't have nearly the downloads, but I, I kind of did it on purpose because I wanted to really, you know, pump up the stack of dime guys rather than you know being up, you know, schlub that's saying hi to, to to Luke. So that was pretty funny, and they bought that they bought us a few rounds of drinks. I think those guys, my wife and I, probably shouldn't have been. If Uber existed back then, we should have been Ubering. <laughs> the drinks are strong <laughs> there too. Well, I think they need to be. That's that's a that's a hallmark of a good karaoke bar. Uh, next time I see Kevin, by the way, so I met Kevin after the Mariners game. He came out to Bush Gardens and dictated to me my extensive order at Taco Time the next day. He told me exactly everything I'd need to try. In which one? Um, so everyone like who made fun of me for having time. like a twenty dollar order at Taco Time, <laughs> it's not my fault. I just ordered one of everything. Camaro Kev said I needed to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but next time I see Kevin, I think I'm just going to run up to him and go, hey, aren't you that guy from the Kicking and Zubas podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be great. We need to have someone do it sure. that he doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. We need somebody. Boy, if I could get someone in a pair of Zubas to do it, that would really double down. Oh, yeah. Hang on, Robert. You eat garbage plates, though, right? Well, I mean, not regularly, but I when I get my chance to get my lips around one, yeah. Can you explain what it is? Can you guys talk about what that that means? Because Luke just threw it off like, oh, and then I got a garbage plate, but didn't really explain what it is. Right. Well, and it's worth noting, Luke got a garbage plate uh, in the middle of nowhere, nowhere near where garbage plates are, as I know them. And I looked it up. The garbage plate that he had is is a you know, it doesn't deserve to be called a garbage plate. It's less than garbage. Um, but yeah, Kevin, you were about to say, did you make one? Was that what you were about to say? Yeah, I heard you talking about it on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I think on Takedown Podcast. And I thought, well, what the heck? So I um, went to, is it Buffalo? I think Buffalo. Um, so I, I, you know, Googled best garbage plate, and then I went on there, and they had a link to some recipes, you know, minus maybe their special sauce or something. So um, you can use a, a food processor, and you kind of puree this meat sauce, and it's yep. kind of spicy, a little bit sweet, though, too. And you put over hot dogs and mashed, or not mashed, like uh, hash browns? Home fries, yeah. 
home fries. So I made it all by myself except for the home fries, which I just bought from the store. And uh, I actually sent a picture of it to you at one point. Yes. Yes. I remember that. We can't have a single podcast where I jump on to help where we don't end up talking about junk food. <laughs> yeah. Robert, that's your thing. But you actually, you nailed it. Um, I was just in Rochester last weekend, actually, and I did not get a chance to get a garbage plate, but I'm heading back that way tomorrow just for a quick trip. So maybe, just maybe, if I'll take pictures if it happens. I don't know. No promises. But yes. so much food. It's so much food, Robert. It is so much food, but, but it's also an experience, and it's not something you eat every day. At least it's not like you, you should. Uh, so for those of you who did not hear my episode of Takedown Podcast, which we can put a link to somewhere uh, on the Facebook page, uh, a garbage plate is a regional delicacy of, of the Rochester, Western New York region. <clears throat> and Kevin, you actually described it very well. I always tell people to imagine a takeout, like a styrofoam takeout container, like one of the square ones with the three compartments, because that's about the right size. And you fill you know, about halfway up one side with home fries. And you did it just right buying them, by the way. They shouldn't be home-cut potatoes. They should be those ones that look like chunks of mashed potatoes that are deep-fry skinned, something like that. Those hot fried and then next to that cold macaroni salad. And the mac salad <clears throat> is boring. It's just like mayo and a couple of shreds of carrot to prove that it's in there and then macaroni. And then on top of that, it's a couple of cheeseburgers and the meat hot sauce, and you absolutely, it should be pureed smooth. It's a Greek-style hot sauce. Uh, you don't see that a lot of other places. And then raw onion, ketchup, mustard, whatever other, you know, slatherings on that you want. And that's the plate piece of Italian bread and butter on the side to push it all down when you're done. Yeah, New York delicacy. I didn't use hamburger. I used hot dog or maybe kielbasa. Um, but... Um, uh, I think feel free to put the picture of uh, that I sent you up next to that because it's it's a it's a thing and it's pretty delicious but kind of uh, it's a lot of food is is, is what I'll say. Uh, the audible on the protein is actually perfectly acceptable. The traditional option is two cheeseburger patties, but if you go into a Hots restaurant in my native land, you'll see a menu where you pick your meat basically and it goes on top of that base. So. Uh, hot dogs, white hots, which is a Rochester thing, is an option. You can get two grilled cheese sandwiches instead of cheeseburger patties. Uh, kielbasa might be the first I've heard of that. We'll call that the farewell plate from now on. I like that. <laughs> yeah, so do I. But you got to use real kielbasa. And by the way, the the all star, the 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 star of that plate that that you might not expect uh, is the homemade. This is what I did: the homemade macaroni salad, and I put lots of olives in it. And you mix that with the, um, the, the that sort of pureed meat sauce. Ooh, you're just punched your ticket to cloud nine. <laughs> or a trip to the emergency room. Well, yeah. But, I mean, if, if, you know, like my daughter's 12, I mean, she can eat that stuff. Yeah, right, and, right. And she'll be okay. And she can just valet the car at urgent care. It's fine. <laughs> uh, now that, you know what, this is a perfect segue Uh to some housekeeping. Um, unless, did we have anything more about the tape we wanted to get back into? I hope everyone I enjoyed the so. clip as much as I did. This was really a blast for me to hear this this week. If we get lucky, uh, all of the ingredients for a garbage plate will be available at the TBTL Pitnick uh, this Wednesday, the 19th. I think I said Pitnick. I got so excited. The Picnic. 
Christy, why don't you tell us about the picnic? <laughs> uh, 6 p.m. at Chateau Saint-Michel Wineries in beautiful Woodinville, Washington. Um, you will meet Kevin, right? That's a guilt trip Probably. announcement. And the lovely Bobby Pape. So come on out, people. There's some kind of structure of what you're supposed to bring. Bring what you want. Uh, Fuck that's it. Bring me. what you like. Bring what you're good at. Yeah. My last name starts with P. I'm bringing potato chips. Okay. Oh, that would have been a good way, too. Whatever your name starts with. <laughs> if if uh, 25 people comment on this thread, I'll bring garbage, a few garbage plates. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, that. that sounds like a dare if I've ever heard one, everyone. Yes. Make sure you go like the LRB post of this show. Kevin has promised garbage plates. Do it for Bobby, because I want one. <laughs> All right, everybody. Time for you to take some notes. To get involved, just like Kevin Farewell did this evening, and join us on our show, go to littleredbandwagon.com and submit to us the clip that inspires you, the clip that you want to share with the Wagoneers to come on and tell us all about it. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Little Red Bandwagon. We also make regular appearances in the Stens page. And since Mike is not here, we're not going to shit on it any more than we already have tonight. Our personal Twitters. I'm at RL Pape. Christy's at Kissy Eyes, K-I-S-S-I-E-Y-E-S. Mike, who will be back soon, is at Drew McFrizz. And of course, producer Jeremy, shirtless and waiting at dadstronaut you can also tweet the show at lrb podcast email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com shoot us a voicemail or leave us a text at 802-432-tbtl that's 802-432-8285 and yes as the smittens david just let us know that is a vermont phone number and we are proud <laughs> christy i think it's time for you to do what you do all right. Until next time, this is the next party. And Jen, Mike loves you. Mm. And so do we. Nailed it. Oh, I, I, I was fully prepared to comment on if Mike was going to be on the podcast about how Jeremy, you, me, and Mike are like have so far out kicked our coverage um like with these beautiful women and like are there four men in this country if you put them together that have more out kicked their coverage it, it, you know <laughs> <laughs> the disparaging just whatever yeah <laughs> i love it we just had a 15 minute conversation about how i shovel something called a garbage plate into my face whenever i can <laughs> i'm fucking baffled and i just hope that sam never catches on Nailed it.